we signed up in April of 2001. And we were on the delayed entry program, so we had a couple months before we had to go in to the military. Um, so the morning that I was supposed to go to basic training, I woke up to my aunt running down the stairs. Oh my God, Brian, turn on the TV, turn on the TV. And I'm like, all right. So I turned on the TV, and it was September 11th, 2001. And I just looked at the towers, and I'm just like, oh, wow. What does that mean? So I call up the recruiter, and I'm like, hey, are we postponing things, or are we going to come in? What, what's the deal? And he's like, well, just come on in, and we'll figure it out. And on the drive in, I was thinking to myself that most people join the military for college money or to get out of a bad experience or a bad situation or to get an extraordinary life, something or other. Uh, not usually to go to war. So I figured that this kind of changed everything. And a lot of those people that were just doing it for college money or to get out of a bad situation were going to be like, uh-oh, what did I do? And try to figure out a way to get out. Well, when we got to the recruiter station, we just sat around the TV all day long. Nobody really talked to each other. Nobody knew each other. So we just were in shock and awe. And it wasn't until we got on the buses around midnight, we drove seven hours to Fort Leavenworth Leonard Wood, Missouri, to basic training. But on the bus is where I got to see everybody's attitude. And I was actually proud to be there in that moment because it was the exact opposite of what I thought. Um, so it was more like, you know what? It really sucks that our country just got attacked, but at least we get to be the ones to do something about it. We get to go do something. We get to be a part of that. And, and I was proud to be there in that moment. Well, um, then came time for us to go into Iraq. And I was driving a Humvee, got about two miles away, and I was kind of up on a hill. I could see the road wind up to the border of Iraq, which was like this 30-foot dirt berm that looked like went all the way around Iraq, because I remember being like, wow, I wonder if that goes all the way around Iraq. <laughs> um, and as you're doing that, this fear of the unknown kind of starts creeping up on you. The hair in the back of your neck starts standing up. You don't know what you're about to get into. You're like, all right, well, when we cross this line, are we going to have to start fighting? Are we going to be shooting? I mean, what's the deal? And then you also got in the back of your head, where are we going to be living? Are we going to be in tents or are we going to be in like a hard building? Are we going to have enough food? One MRA a day? How much, how much water are we going to get? I had one bottle of water a day. Anybody have any idea how hot it got while we were over there? Any guesses? Shoot something up. 120. A little low. 153 degrees was the hottest it got while I was there. Full battery rattle, touch the truck, it just burns your arms, and, and you get windburned. Not even windburned, it was just heat. Anyway, um, <clears throat> so as we're driving up these last two miles, you're just like, all right, you're locked and loaded, you're getting anxious, you're like, all right, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? And it was the absolute last thing I had expected, but it changed everything for us. Once we rolled over that line, there was nothing but women and children lining the streets, cheering, screaming, so thankful that we were there to do something. And off in the distance, you could see these little mud huts where it's obviously where these people were living. And it was like, wow, these people need help. There's no way anybody in this day and age should have to live like that. So from that point on, I can't speak for the military, but for me and my friends, we didn't care why we were there anymore. It was about helping these people, getting them a better life. 
stayed there the for first about 12 minutes waiting for the helicopter to land. I had a collapsed lung from the concussion of the blast. It was hard to breathe, and I'm laying there with no legs, no hand. But I feel that if you're in that position and you're going to die, that you kind of have some kind of inkling. And I never felt like I was going to die. I never felt scared. I just kind of felt like, oh, my God, my mom's going to kill me. <laughs> um, but I didn't want to take any chances either. So I told myself, you know what? It hurts and it's hard to breathe, but go through the motions. Just make those muscles. And, you know, little air is better than no air. And stay awake. Talk to these guys. And you'll be fine. So that's what I did. And the helicopter landed 12 minutes later. I remember bouncing on the stretcher. And I got into the helicopter, and I looked at the medic. And I'm like, yo, man, I need air. I need air. It's hard to breathe. And he's like, all right, let me lock you in. I heard the locks click in. They put that nose tube over me. And that's where I felt comfortable enough to let go. And that's where I passed out. Now, I was very aware of everything that had just happened. And I knew it was only like a three-minute flight to the Baghdad hospital. So I was like, all right. Expecting to wake up to some doctor poking a prod at me saying, hey, can you feel that? Does that hurt? You know, something or another. When I woke up, my mom's face was there. I'm like, mom, whoa. Now I'm thinking, what idiot brought my mom to Iraq? This is not cool. <laughs> so I'm like, mom, what are you doing here? She's like, no, no, it's OK. And I'm like, no, no, what the heck are you doing here? And she's like, and then she does the mom thing, like, can you let me finish? <laughs> yeah. It's seven days later, you're at Walter Reed in Washington, DC. I'm like, whoa. Wait, I'm back in the United States? Oh, that's awesome. I don't have to fly back 17 hours all messed up. I was really happy about that, because I figured that flight would probably suck. What I can and can't do, and there's not a lot that I can't do. I mean, yeah, I'm in a wheelchair, but I'm not disabled in any way. Um, I still do everything that I want to do. I have a motorcycle. I have a quad. I snowboard. I wakeboard. I do everything I want to do. Um, now I look at the world as my own personal jungle gym, because I used to be the gymnast.